This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United take a point from Parkhead, but were they wrong? And the Dark Blues still searching for a win and a goal in the top flight. This week, you're joined by me, Tom Duffy, George Cran, Graham Finnan, and Ewan Smith. It's the first time we've ever had a foursome, boys. Fanar. Oh, polite silence there. Yeah. <laughs> too much golf chat. Uh, too, I'm, I'm too scared to speak. <laughs> I'll just sit here and I'll sit in silence for the rest of the, the, ne- the, the next hour or so. Oh dear, it's going to be a long hour. Anyway, let's get right into it. When we sit, you won't know this, Ewan, but when we, other than from listening, when we signed off last week, I cleverly said we was looking forward to this week because it would be two League Cup wins and toppling the old firm. Half out of four is not bad, so... In fairness, we'll start we'll start with United because of that. We'll take the positive. And you were there, Ewan. Looked a well deserved point. Dundee United were put it simply were outstanding. I, I I it's not an exaggeration to say for ninety minutes they were absolutely to a man, not a single failure. I and, and I'm not exaggerating that every single player on that park for wearing a Dundee United jersey was outstanding and it was a brave performance. Um Tam Coors, for me, I've, I've I've written this as well this week. I think he's proven himself to be a bit of a brave manager with some of the decisions he makes. I mean, he, uh, we will touch on this later on, but he, he put in Kerr Smith at 16 into the cauldron of Celtic Park to start the game. He, he went with three up front um, uh, with Paulette and Niskin and out wide and uh, Clark through the middle. And they pressed and harried that Celtic defence for the whole game. And let's be honest, the Celtic defence isn't isn't the strongest, if I'm being polite. Um, uh, and I think they were forcing several mistakes out of that Celtic defence. And I'm saying brave because it's brave from the point of view that by being so attack-minded, by by making that high press, you are leaving yourself open to, to being exposed at the back, especially with the pace that Celtic have got with their wide men with Abada and Jota on the wings. But they, after the first 15-20 minutes when they settled down, Dun United coped admirably with that threat. Um, but yeah, I was really, really impressed with Dun United and um, a point's probably fair. Um, Celtic hit the bar three times, so we can't really say that Celtic didn't have chances, but a point's definitely what Dun United deserved. And to stay with the positive, good cross from the Finn, and, but what a header from Hart. He knocked himself out the air. The way you yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to, I wanted to take it back slightly though, because McMahon. I, I was looking at the highlights again just to refresh myself. But McMahon potentially, potentially could have done a little bit better at the Celtic goal. Potentially, I mean, he was out jumped by a bad at that. But within ninety seconds, how does he rectify that? He picks the ball up in the flank and he plays a, a beautiful pass out to Niskin and Niskin meets his man, devilish cross into the box. And you're right, an outstanding header there by Harks to, to put it away and. It was just a strange feeling in the stadium because we all know that the the Dundee United fans were wrongly denied the chance to go and, and and watch this game, and it was absolute silence in the stadium when the goal was scored. If you know what it's like when you're doing match reports yeah. and you're sometimes guided when you're typing your report away and you're guided by the crowd noise and you look up, well, there must be a chance. If you were doing that, you had absolutely no chance because it was <laughs> absolute silence. Bear, you touched on it there. Tam Courts, and I, and I was interested to read that he still has doubts about himself. He's he, it's fast becoming the case. He's maybe the only one. He makes makes good decisions, and he seems to be tactically switched on. He's making the right decisions every turn, Tom, isn't he? Um, it's just quite quite incredible. As 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 we said last week, he was his head was on the chopping block for any mistakes he made. You felt he was you know he was up there ready to be knocked down from all asunder, but he, everything he, he touches at this point in time's turned to gold and, and good on him. I think he's deservedly bought himself a lot of time now um in this role. Um there will be setbacks throughout the season of that, there is no doubt and how he handles so them will last be in- Thursday. Yeah. Well how well yeah, how he handles them it'll be interesting to see though if they go on a wee a poor run. That's not quite happened yet. They've had a couple of a couple of defeats along the way this season, but no, everything is fantastic. And the way, as as you said, the way they played against against Celtic on Sunday was really terrific. I mean, you, you've seen teams go to Parkhead and, and set their stall out and maybe stick 
one man up the park and ploughing a lone furrow and getting no service whatsoever and, you know, running about for an hour and having to go off because he's no touched the ball. But when I watched United on on Sunday there, you know, they set themselves up in a way that actually, when they went forward, they went forward with purpose. They weren't just lumping the ball forward. You know, they had great ball carriers and Dylan Levitt and uh, Ian Hartz and also ably assisted by Paul and Niskanen. So when they got up the park, they were up the park in numbers and that's what gave Celtic, you know, massive problems at the back. And, you know, towards the end, you got the feeling that, you know, I saw big, my big mate, Louis Perry, getting on and, you know, he showed a, a couple of touches. Of he, he could have just maybe sneaked one in there for United and they could have came away with all three points, but I'm sure that uh, Tom Courts will be delighted, to, you know, to get to get the point of Parkhead. And what a start. And, you know, a, a point of Parkhead, they've beaten Rangers. I mean, you can't ask for any more than that. He's, he's going great guns and long may continue for United. George, to try to make you feel relevant to a sort of good performance since you're following Dundee every week, <laughs> good or bad, is that is that one of the keys? Where you've, you, obviously, you've got to be aware of the opposition strengths, but do you have to always try to play the way that you feel you're best suited to play? And United seem to do that on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And particularly when you're going to Celtic and Rangers, we've seen... We see it every season. Teams go there, completely change how they usually play. Mind, mind the ball, part of the bus, whatever Jose Mourinho called it. Um, but it didn't feel like United did that particularly. They were getting after Celtic. That was made clear with the penalty that they should have got when Nicky Clark bundled over. Hold on that. It looked, it looked pretty uh, nailed on that one, but it was from Preston, right on the, the Celtic defence. And Idea is to try and hurt Celtic from where they're weak. Obviously, that's where they've been rickety this season, and uh, United got after that. I think it was the Braves, probably the word for uh, United, as as you uh, and said, because Celtic at home have been a completely different animal compared with being away from home. Uh, I saw them absolutely smashed Dundee, they smashed St Mirren. They've lost a couple of players to injury since then, but. They, they still have that ability in them to score lots of goals at Celtic Park with the crowd behind them and stuff. But United seemed to take very little notice of that and, and played played their game. And from all accounts and watching the highlights, it looked like they, they certainly deserved their point. And you and George touched on it there. A touch prematurely, George. Just hold fire at times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a premature foursome. I'm, I'm, I'm about to leave the room. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even going to mention back, that. To get back to the football, you and uh, you were you were of the four of us. You were by far the closest to the uh, perfectly legitimate shoulder charge in the Celtic box that was waved away. Yeah, to be honest, at the time, straight away, I said that's a clear penalty and. Uh, often you think that and then you look back at the replay and you went, oh, maybe I got that wrong. But I've looked at the replay over and over and over again today and it's there's there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that it's a penalty. I mean, I, not only does he have his hand on Clark and, and push, push him away, he's also got his knee into the back of him as well and that causes him to follow. He doesn't get anywhere near the ball until Clark's lying down in the deck and then he touches the ball. Now, I've read Celtic fans complaining that in the build-up to the incident, they felt there was a foul by Pollock on Starfelt. But I've looked at that very closely as well, and Pollock quite clearly gets his boot in, wins the ball back, because Starfelt's taking an age on well, the ball, as he, as he often he does. Yeah, and Pollock, yeah. Pollock it's just, it's just, it's the high-pressing thing that I was talking about. Pollock made, Pollock wasn't allowing him any time on the ball, and he won it cleanly as far as I can see. Starfelt did fall over, but I don't think there was a foul, and it was a through ball, and yeah, Dundee United fans can have every right to feel enraged because that was, for me, as stonewall a penalty as you're ever going to see. And Bear, I saw a former top referee saying it wasn't a penalty because what fans look for is consistency and it was a very similar challenge to the one that Ewan's just mentioned by Pollock. And, I mean, that's... I, mean, I think they'd say it's Dermot Gallagher. He, he, he appears on a satellite broadcast channel on a Monday. And... I just immediately thought, yeah, but you want it to be consistently right. If, if mm. as Ewan says, he didn't, Ewan doesn't think it's a foul. M- maybe some other people thought it was a foul. If it was a foul, give it. But don't not, don't not give the challenge yeah. for the penalty because you think I've just made one mistake, so I'll make another one. We've seen that. We've seen that though. You, you see that yeah. happening, don't you? Maybe it was in the in the back of Kevin Clancy's mind. Mm, there, there might have been a free kick in that one, and then you get the Nicky Clark incident. 
seconds later, he's just turned a complete blind eye to it. But it's a stonewall. It's a, 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 Tam Corsair, it's a stonewall penalty for United. And, you know, um, all around the country, outside fans of the Old Firm, you feel that when you're playing the Old Firm, decisions like that tend to go against you. And the incidents that happened over the weekend, not Dutch, just in the United game, but in, in the games elsewhere around involving our clubs, <laughs> just added fuel to the fire, I think. Can I just mention about Peter Pollock? I mean, we spoke about Peter Pollock last season, and I, and I thought Peter Pollock always felt he had, you know, real talent and, and was a Premiership player. But I felt he, he was on his way out at Tandice. I didn't I, see, he wasn't I, given I, I enough wonder. in games. Wasn't given enough in games, but see, this season, He's been absolutely outstanding for Dundee United. I think he's, this is the, he's in the form of his life at Tandice at this point in time. And, you know, I don't know if it's, if, if it's the lad himself has just taken a, a shake to himself and said, look, I'm a better player than I'm, I'm, I'm showing here. I could do a bit more. Or it's the, what, whatever Tom Courts is doing on the training ground is getting the best out of him. But whatever it is, it's working for Dundee United and, and fair play to him for that. Bear, can I come in there? Sorry, just yeah. I, 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 no. I entirely. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I said I wasn't going to speak at the start of this podcast. I'll, I'll try my best not to speak too much. Um, um, but no, on Paulette, I, I agree entirely with you. Now, I interviewed Peter Paulette way back in pre-season when they played against Breakin City, and he was brilliant that day. And and he was talking about how this was a big season for him, and he and he felt really confident. He just signed a new two-year contract. Mm-hmm. I know he'd been linked with the move to St Johnston. And and like you say, I hadn't for whatever reason he hadn't sort of lit the fire at Dundee United before then. But he's playing in a in a role that he's more comfortable with now. He's playing in a more attacking and a freer role. Um and it's almost to some extent that he's been let off the leash a little bit by Tam Kurtz and told to to run free, roam free and do what he does. And he's I mean, he really is in the form of his life. And to me, there were so many great performers on on Sunday for Dundee United. But I genuinely think Peter Pollard mm. was the best player, the best Dundee United player in the park because of the high pressing game, because that he wasn't giving the Celtic defenders a minute's piece, and he was at the heart of a lot of things that Dundee United created. So is he at a level just now with his play that if you're a Dundee United player when you get the ball, the first thing you do is look to see if Peter Pollard's in space and you can give it to him because he is. I think he showed that in flashes in the derby that when he's on the ball, something can happen in the final third. Well, it was certainly down at, I, I was at the game at Love Street a few weeks ago as well, and uh, for the first period, I mean, it was it's exactly as you're pointing out, every time Dundee United got the ball, they were looking for Peter Pollock. Now, obviously they look for, they want a bit of balance, because they want they want Niskanen to, to work it the same way on the other side, and hats off to him, I mean, he's provided a fantastic uh, delivery for the goal, um, but Niskanen still isn't quite up to speed and isn't probably at the level that you'd expect yet. Um, I know he's got six caps for Finland, so you would expect that that international class is going to show at some stage. But certainly Peter Paul is taking the game uh, by the scruff of the neck and and really, really making an impact because he's he's a very creative-minded player as well. You know, he, he can play the threaded through balls, he can, he can play the short passes, he can make the runs. The only thing that's maybe been missing from his game in the last few weeks is a little bit of composure in front of goal. I mean, he had opportunities at St Mirren. He did have a chance at Celtic where... Um, he got in a good position and made the space for himself, but it was it was a fairly tamely struck effort he had. But yeah, I mean, the Aberdeen fans adored him when he was up there, didn't they? You know, they sang Peter yeah. Paul at Baby all the time. I know the Dundee fans have slightly adopted that, but he's, as I wrote in my piece earlier in the week, he's, he's, he's become a man now and he's, and, he's, and he's taking his responsibilities very seriously. The, the win in the derby, the discipline, tactically performances does it make the defeat against Hibs in the cup quite surprising maybe not I wouldn't have bet my house on them winning but I would have bet my house on them no being 3-0 down at any time in the game the way they've been organised and the way they've been improving this season it was a bit of a shock result eh I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Def- I'm not, I'm not uh, saying everything's rosy in the garden for Dundee United. There's still a lot that they need to do, right? But I'm gonna defend them slightly about that game on Thursday night. The first half, yet yeah, they, they were caught, they were caught uh, by three goals and and decisions again that went against them. You know, the penalty kick was never a penalty kick against Dundee United. If, if anything, it was a foul by Paul McGinn uh, on Mark Reynolds um, that wasn't given, but. They were caught a little bit by the pace and the creativity of the, the Hibs attack in the first half. 
But credit where credit's due, at halftime I was sitting there looking at 3-0 Hibs and the way Hibs are playing and thinking, God, this could be a right hammer in here. It could be five or six if, if it continues in the second half. But Dundee United were excellent in the second half against Tabernian. And But for, you know, a linesman's flag to chop off a second offside goal, um, Hibs... Hibs might have found themselves pegged back and might have been put in the extra time. So three one, yeah, on paper it looks like it looks like quite a resounding uh, win. And three and a half time certainly was quite an emphatic scoreline. But by the end of the game, there was positive signs thinking this Dun United side have got something about them. You know, strength of character, and they got applauded off the park by their supporters at the end. And that tells it all. They've been knocked out of the cup and to a 3-1 scoreline, but the fans have stayed and have applauded them off the park. So I think they can see that the performance levels are there and they took that into Sunday and they got a result on Sunday. And every week's a different test. How many times have we seen teams do well against the old firm? Now they've got Ross County on Saturday. Need to take care of business in that one, don't they? Yeah, I would. St- <laughs> that's really, really important. You're, you're absolutely spot on. You know it. it it almost like uh, makes the the draw at Celtic Park meaningless if they go and go on to lose against uh, Ross County. They have to they have to go in a position uh, before the international break where they remain above Celtic and incredibly believe that to actually be saying this at this point in the season. But if they win on on uh, Saturday, they're guaranteed to be above Celtic going into the international break. And if that's a mark of how far they've come or how poor Celtic have been. Well, Dundee United are in fifth place, and I'm looking at the table. They're they're only they're only five points off the top, and okay, we're in the season, but they're they're doing very well. They're only four points away from uh, being halfway towards what you would consider to be the the mark for staying in the league, which would be a thirty point mark to stay in the league. So, I think they've done really well. But they, you're right; they have to win against uh, Ross County, otherwise, the game against Celtic, it's. You know, yeah, it's a nice performance and a great result, and it's on the back of three very good wins that they've had this season. But um, it's a big blow if they lose against Ross County. Mulgrew, McNulty, going to make it? Um, I think Mulgrew's probably likely to make it. Um, he he seemed to, he came off after seventeen minutes against the Burnley, and I think they got him off and caught his injury in time. But I would be very very surprised if McNulty's anywhere near the team on uh, at the weekend because. He clearly pulled a hamstring and he was hobbling all over the park when he came off against Tabernian. And, and instantly, it's one of those injuries you look at, you think, we'll not see him for a month at least. And um, so I would be very surprised if McNulty comes in. But they are short up front. There's no doubts about that. I mean, you've got McNulty and Clark are probably their two main strikers. And, and Apere still has to really kick on. Um, and, and he's been playing in a wide position when he's come on. So. Um, Clark has to be fully fit, but he did play very well again on Sunday, so he can lead the line well without McNulty being there. And it would be remiss of us before we finish on United. Young Kerr Smith excelled in the Derby. He's been to he's been to Parkhead. He could be in the team for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he played he played uh, right back in the in the Derby. He was thrown into a. An, an unusual position in the derby. He's never really played in that role, uh, but he played his more central role at Celtic Park. I couldn't believe it when I saw the team sheet and he was playing on Sunday from the start because I just expected Mark Reynolds to come in and place a Charlie Mulgrew. I thought, you know, that that experience, you know, Mark Reynolds has been there, played there. I mean, he's, he's played very top-level games, but that's where I go back to where I say Tam Kurtz is a brave manager because a lot of managers, most managers would take the, the safe option and play the experience, the older head in a game like that. But Kerr Smith, he's got the physique, the build of a, a player that's in his 20s. Um, he's got composure when he's got the ball. Um, he'll learn more about position because I think his positional sense yet isn't quite 100%, but by God, is he going to be a top, top, top player, um, Kerr Smith? And, and experiences like playing at Celtic Park when you're 16 or being the youngest ever done United player to play in a derby, they're going to stand to him in really good stead for the rest of his career. Well, you all know me. I can't speak for more than 20-odd minutes without wanting to be depressed. So I'm afraid enough about United. <laughs> After this, we'll be speaking about Dundee. That'll be me back home. Right, chaps. Turning to Dundee. George is already rubbing his eye. <laughs> Try those tears, George. It's, it's still early season, mate. There's, t- there's time yet. 
and I, maybe maybe to try to be positive about it, at least they came off against Rangers thinking we should have had something from that game. Ah, uh, you can you can just tell when luck in front of goal isn't going your way when Jason Cummings misses a penalty, which he doesn't often do. Semi final uh, against United twenty sixteen. I was there. So I said, doesn't often because <laughs> I remembered that. just in the big games. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that when he stepped up, there might have been a bit of, we haven't scored in five games. I can't miss this going through his head, uh, which maybe affected him. But um, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Since, since it's got, they actually played really well on Saturday as well. I think, they, I guess it's more frustrating when you play really well and you don't get anything out of it. I think they'd quite like to play absolutely rubbish this week and score a goal and, and get a win. Because uh, it's, uh, it's, I'd quite like to write something different, to be honest. From a completely selfish personal note, uh, I'm fed up writing about them not scoring any goals. So, <laughs> come on, lads. Saturday's, Saturday's, Saturday's the chance to do it. At least you're used to it now. You can do it quite quickly. <laughs> um... And yeah, they they changed things up against Rangers. They went uh, three at the back, which I think was the first time James McPake had done that since the the disaster at Tynecastle at the start of last season. Um, which had obviously been a reason why he hadn't he hadn't changed the four three had worked quite well. Yeah, four three three had, had worked really well, particularly with Paul McMullen in the team. But they went with three at the back, and it seemed to work pretty well. They kept the ball when they when they got it, they got at Rangers. Uh, and they were really positive. I mean, Paul McMullen had skinned about three or four players from the kickoff and had a shot, which kind of set things going um, in, in terms of the way they were approaching the game. But obviously they lost lost a bit of a poor goal. Rangers weren't brilliant, but when they got the ball in the final third, it looked really, really dangerous. And you can see the difference between the sides and, and that. That's what ended up being the, the difference between the sides. But it is coming. Uh, it'll need to come soon, though. Yeah, they need to. It's, it's getting it's getting close to a crisis. To to stick with the penalty and specifically Dundee's role in the penalty, Bear. I know it's many years ago, but you used to be Tayside's top junior keeper, especially in a sort an important game. Thanks very much for that. I, I, I was a long time ago. I can't <laughs> lie. <laughs> and That's for, a video I, footage I think, of this, this uh, goalkeeping I, I think, I think you got your gloves out woolies in those days, Bear. I did. You but see, real, see real, if you remember rightly, the real sort of gardening green gloves that you <laughs> used to wear, you know, like the great gloves. Table tennis bats on your hand. That's it, that's the ones. As a goalie, are you hoping the penalty taker puts it down the middle? <sighs> not really, over, because I used to... over the bar, Yeah, I, I, had <laughs> think, I had to have a think about that one, Tom. Because really, it's so I mean, long nine, ago nine, you nine, can't remember. Yeah, 90% of the time, I would pick a corner and go. You know, and, and that was the way. And, and now, if you stuck it down the middle, there was a, there was a chance you would dive past it. Um, but uh, nowadays, because the keepers, you're told to stay on your line effectively, so you're not getting the same sort of movement that you're seeing. Yeah. You were able to take a step, and years gone by, a step forward and a big spring. So you would actually dive right out the middle of the goal, if you know what I'm saying, to get yeah. to a corner to try and block it. Well, now you're standing on the line, so you're, you're, you're still pretty much central. You'll find most keepers are still pretty much central in, in their goal. So if you're putting it down the middle, you know, Jason Cummins had to get it at least 12 inches off the ground, I've got to uh-huh. say, you know, to, to beat John McLaughlin um, on Saturday. But it was a poor kick. I mean, I looked a poor kick at the time, and when I saw it back, you know, in, on the television footage, I'm not sure what he was... It seemed, he seemed to change his mind on the run-up and just try yeah. to dink it a wee bit, but... Going, taking a step backwards, Tom, we're going to speak about the actual penalty itself, I mean, and, and the award and, and things like that, because yeah, we'll have a, from we'll my have point of view, I was, I, was in the, I was in the Bobby Cox stand on uh, Saturday, and I've got to say, I thought it was a sending off all day long, and I think John McLaughlin, I think he was he had his hand on his glove ready to take it off, <laughs> because he thought he was walking, and, you know, for, you know, when Bobby Madden produced the yellow card, I was stunned, because... For me, you know, McMullen's got inside, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure he got the better corner, Goldson comes in, but he's coming right into the centre of the goal. The keeper's come around and he's knocked it inside him. He's right in the middle of the box. He's going to, it's a tapping. Now, people have tried to explain the rule to me, saying uh, the goalkeepers now get the benefit of the doubt, etc., etc. Well, come on. I mean, if that's a defender making that sort of tackle outside the box, the defender walks. 
I mean, and I kind of see the reason why the goalkeeper should not have went off off the park. I, I was I saying the box is the, is the, is the yeah, but I mean, I just I, I, for me, he's denied a, a, a clear goal scoring opportunity. You know, I just, I just, I, I mean, yeah, that's the key. Whether or not he goes for the ball. Yeah, that's, that's, the that's the thing. I, I think Mullen was I, too I, good. I must, I must admit, myself. I, I thought in the end, and I, I was hoping, I was hoping that I was going to be here, going, oh, Dundee were robbed, but in the end, I thought from the the, the double jeopardy point of the goalkeeper yeah. being in the box, I think only McLaughlin knows if he tried to block the ball or not. And I think Bobby Madden, I do for once agree with a, a, a referee on that basis. He's, I thought uh, I would have given a yellow card just because I'm like, you might have de- deliberately taken him down, but you moved you moved your leg towards the ball. But I take your point. My view on it is that he's right in the middle of the goal. If he's going, I think if you're running through and you're running towards a corner flag and the keeper comes out and slides and you poke the ball past him, and that ball is moving towards the corner flag, yellow card. But the fact that he was around him, and he's, it's a tap into the goal, he's denied Dundee a goal, I think it should be... But if, if that's, the, if that's the, the rules then, if that's the law, then the law's in us. I do take your point <laughs> again, and it's maybe too much It's maybe too much for a referee to think about in a split second. I hadn't thought about it at all, but what you say there, if an outfield player fouled somebody like that, they might get a red card because the referee says you're not in control. The nature of the tackle. Yeah, yeah because yeah. he's spread the way he's, he's off. He's but because I suppose because he's a goalkeeper, you have to give him some leeway and all that. So it's a difficult one. But I must admit, I thought, I thought, oh, I want, I want this to be a red card. But yeah. I looked at it again. I thought, yeah, not, but you, you know what, Tom? Be, it's the nature it's of the sort beast. of yellow and a half. It's yeah, a hard one. It's, yeah. yeah, it's the nature of the beast. Of course. Dundee fans want him off, and but you've still got you to remember we've still got this yeah. penalty coming up. But deep down, I'm thinking to myself, I know what's coming here. He's going to save this yeah. penalty now, and, you know. And fair <laughs> play, I, I, him. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a poor penalty, but you know what? He got up pretty quickly because the ball went up in the air, and he was he yeah. was right back up to, mm. to get back on it and 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 get it. But you know, it just deflated the entire you know the support and every and the, did and he not, not the then get the break? He well. tried to hit it away and he hit it up and then caught it. Yeah, he had a swipe, but it didn't. It's volleyball. It's if you're a Dundee player or a Dundee fan, you're going. <laughs> that was that, that would only happen against up, yeah. us just now. <laughs> if that was at the other end, Legsons would have put it against the bar and it would have hit somebody in the face. Ah, uh, and ended up still ended up in the in the back uh, of the, in the net, net and stuff like that. Did you but think it was fair, a penalty? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tom. Just just on the performance itself, I thought George is right. Rangers had the majority of possession. They never really got in behind Dundee, probably because Dundee were actually sitting quite deep. The three at the back worked worked quite well. I thought Jordan Marshall was outstanding yeah, up the left hand side. I mean, he was. I mean, he was going sort of toe to toe with the best right back in Scotland, and Jason Tavernier. And you left him standing a couple of times up the flank and got great balls into the box. Uh, they still lack a wee bit going forward down the right hand side. Um, I've got to say. Um, and I'm not sure, George. What's the story about, about Christy Elliott? Is he still injured, or he's he's around, but I don't think he'll be. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying he's the answer, Cammy. but we just yeah. He's more attacking though, isn't he? Than yeah. But oh, the overall overall performance was good. Um, the disappointing thing is, is again, it's it's another one of these ones where you go, it's it's a hard luck story now for Dundee. How many hard luck stories have we already had this season? It's not even at the end of September. We've had half half a dozen. Yeah, and I'm afraid. You kind of keep saying it's a hard luck story. You, you, you get to the point where you go, well, you know what? You're just no good enough. So they yeah. need to turn that pretty quickly. It strikes to me, it is, it's a classic football saying, small margins. But if you're on the wrong side of that small margin, like you say, you're, you're not good enough. And against St. Johnson uh, in the League Cup 2, another game that seemed to be on a nice knife edge, but eventually... and. Uh, I mean, the last three games too have gone away from them quite late on too, haven't they? And that's... That's a disappointment too. Uh, yeah, the, the the St. Johnson one was more of a concern to me. Just the way, uh, I mean, they had they had the better of the chances for, for the majority of the game. Uh, the game was pretty even. St. Johnson had a fair bit of the ball, but had a few shots, but they were kind of a bit wild, and Lysons didn't have to save anything really. Um, Dundee had good chances and should have been ahead, but. As soon as St. Johnson scored, I think the nature of the St. Johnson goal, because it was such a poor goal to lose, and it dribbled in off, it was either Ashcroft or, or Griffiths it hit and, and trundled just into the corner, I think, just deflated everybody. 
Um, and Dundee never responded at all, really, from after they went behind. That, that was more concerning to me than on uh, on Saturday because they played quite well against Rangers. But yeah, it's they obviously got St. Johnson again next. So tough game. Yeah, it's it's it is about time that they need to get to get going. There's no reason why they can't go there and get a result, but as we saw last week. St Johnson are a very, very hard team to, to break down. Players all hang on to it and the manager will hang on to the fact that most of it, most of the games have, they've been involved in have been close games and a lot of them could have gone either way, at least maybe in terms of a defeat or a point. But I think it's just, it's, it's one win in nine. Now, that has to affect your confidence, doesn't it, Ewan? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And I'm just looking at the league table as you say that and I've noticed that Dundee haven't scored away from home yet this season. Um Eight goals against and and none for away from home, which isn't great, um, especially when they've got a on paper they've got an array of attacking options, and I know they've got injuries now to that as well. But uh, on paper, we started the season thinking, God, they've got an abundance of attacking options, and now they're a team that can't score goals. But I still think that it will come good for Dundee. Um, I still believe they've got enough good players in there, and I don't think they're the worst team in the league. I know that at this present moment in time. They're bottom, and if you look at the facts, you say, well, they they are by definition are the worst team. But they're joint bottom with Ross County. I think they're they're better than Ross County. I think they're better potentially than Livingston as well. And St Johnston have had had an amazing season last year, and I'm not going to haul them down into the relegation mire. But if Dundee were to to win against St Johnston, they'll go level in points with St Johnston. Yeah. So suddenly the picture looks a, a little bit brighter, but. It's getting that first win and that confidence that you really that, that it gives you, and maybe you get that first win and then you go on a run. I mean, Livingston did it last year; they were terrible at the start of the season, and then they got their first win under Martindale, and they went on. I can't remember how many runs of wins they had, but it was eleven or twelve runs of wins that they had, and they and they shot right up the table. So it can happen, and I think Dundee have got enough talent in their squad to to climb the table a little bit. Is the is the big sort of hope to cling to just now that the as you said there they do actually look good enough to win games if they can score. They look solid. They look solid at the back. I, I'll, I'll give them that. Unfortunately, they've been they've been pipped by one or the odd goal on occasion. But you know they need to they need to turn it turn it around um, and they need to turn it around pretty quickly now um, because it's draining they've been living off the run they had at the end of last season when they went 20 odd games and, and hardly lost a game in that run and they were you know they, they were they were winning and the, and the confidence was high well now I'll, I'll start to erode I'll start to erode quickly so they've got to get up to Perth on, on Saturday and, and get something from that game and you know whether it's down to bad luck I, you, you just kind of keep going down that route, you know. I, I think they've got to find the right balance now to to get, as I say, good clear cut chances for their strikers in the box. I think things have been falling for them, but they've not really been creating a, a hell of a lot in terms of open play. So that's something they maybe need to look at and, and address. But um, they, they need to find a way quickly to get themselves off the foot of the table because unless you're standing on your head at this point in time, the table doesn't read read good for Dundee FC supporters. And it so often happens when the results aren't going your way on the park, suddenly there's all sort of unwanted distractions for legal reasons. We can't speak about uh, Lee Griffiths uh, last midweek, but he's what we can say is he's picked up an injury. If nothing else, even if, even if he was to play this weekend and George can enlighten us, he won't have been able to do the training that he needs to do. And then you've got the incident... Uh, in the city centre near a nightclub on Saturday night where uh, Alex Jubiak uh, ended up with a dislocated uh, shoulder. And it's, it's it's just one of these, it's one of these things that seems to happen when, when things aren't going your way, <laughs> you got all sorts of other problems you would never want. It's, it's very Dundee, isn't it? This week, this past, uh, do you mean as a club or a city, George? Aye, as a club, it's, uh, George, know. can I just jump in and say that Alec, you did the thing with Alex Jakubiak? I know, honestly, timing. last week, and you said this is at this time. This is <laughs> time the comebacks for real. Okay, he can just uh, save that up his, his sleeve and, and <laughs> reprint exactly. it and have it on his side or something like that. Sleeve just now. Regurgitate that one. You couldn't make it up, could you? Twenty-four hours later, and he's he's on a night out, 
gets in a bit of trouble. However, however, it, I don't know how it started, but ends up in a a fight and dislocates his shoulder and I, ends up in the hospital. To so, take the old school manager approach here, he was able to flag down a taxi to get to Ninewell. So how bad can his <laughs> shoulder be? <laughs> I think he was helped to the taxi, uh, from what I hear. Um, oh, you weren't there, George. No, I wasn't. Yeah, no, no. I haven't been out in the town in about two years. Not well, that's not true, George. George. We were up with Calm two weeks ago, remember? Oh, so you've forgotten about that already. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw you out there that night as well. I, I blanked that from my memory, that's all. No, Aye. I'm banned. And I'm not allowed out. But no, you're right. Things are kind of mounting up a wee bit. Um, I haven't found out yet the extent of the Lee Griffiths injury and whether it'll make the weekend. I'll hopefully find that out uh, Wednesday when they do the, the preview press. Um, but I was I was told last week that he injured his, his ankle against Johnston. Apparently, it was pretty swollen before the game against Rangers. Had it been, I think, had it been a different opponent, he may well not have played. But I think because of all the stuff that's been happening, he he wanted to play through the pain and do what he could to play against Rangers. I think, which maybe speaks a more about. His, uh, his mentality has been criticised quite heavily in in one of the the papers on Saturday uh, by Chris. I was Boyd going to and, ask you about that. It was the, yeah. Chris Boyd. Uh, uh, I, I read the article. It's pretty felt, harsh, isn't it? Well, I feel he made some fair points. Some of it. I, yeah. I, I thought I did stray. In, uh, I, I'm guess. I'm guessing they're not on each other's Christmas card list. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I guess that but, too. So, what the three of you? What are your thoughts on? What Chris Boyd had to say, and also, I'll put I'll put my thoughts out there. See, when you're winning games and somebody does something like that, that's the time. And I never like people sort of banning or it was like a semi ban that they got some of his sort of privilege press privileges withdrawn from him. Did Chris Boyd? And I never ever liked that anyway. But is was it is that one to store away for a later date when you're winning games? Yeah, it's 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 difficult to. Yeah, have the. I was going to say that the moral high ground. I, I don't know if that moral high ground actually applies in football these days, but uh, ah, it's, it's. I think so. Um, Dudley've kind of kept the powder dry. I think on the the whole Chris Boyd banned or not banned thing, and left it between the two red tops in, in Glasgow to slag each other off. It seems like it's a really strange situation. I think um, Sky confirmed that they had to send someone else to do player interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. I think after his uh... personally going and a bit like Bear and his goalkeeping career, it's a while ago now since I go, see if I and I would argue legitimately criticise somebody, and you had to go and face them. But if somebody said to me you can't speak to them, I would go well. There is an upside to that because it's going <laughs> to be awkward when I face them. Yeah. And and and. Bear, you've been in the game a long time, so have you. You and I mean, what what were your thoughts? Like I say, on on the mm. article, as I say, I thought I maybe just strayed too far, uh, and also the reaction. I mean, I had a read of it. it, it you know, I did. Uh, uh, like you say, there were a lot of valid points in there. We've got to remember, Chris Boyd is no longer and a great striker. He was his goals speak for themselves. He's never pundit, and he's 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 paid to sort of. Say things that people might not like, so that's that. You know, that's that's just the way it is. He's making a living from that, um, but it did seem to stray into a wee bit, uh, get a bit personal. You know, and I wonder if 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 you know if if Chris Boyd would make similar comments about Alfredo Morelos, you know, and, and his performances over over the piece at Ibrox. Maybe he has in the past, to be fair. Um, Should I, I? But I like him as a pundit too. I would. I, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. Yeah. I was surprised when towards the end of the article, the bit about somebody yeah. kicked the ball towards us. I didn't uh, say who, but I'm guessing yeah. it must have been him. I, yeah, because he missed. He's better. I, I actually th- thought when I read that you're better than that. That's just a, you know a Lee, Lee Griffiths is. I mean Lee Griffiths is has been a fantastic player over his career. Should he have done better? Absolutely, of course, of course he should have. He's but you're ca- saying he should ca- have hit Chris Boyd with a ball. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he's carrying a wee, he, more than a bit of baggage. So from that perspective, he becomes a, a quite an easy target, and he is a high-profile target. Regardless of what you think of Lee Griffiths and how he's playing just now, he's still a high-profile player, not just in this country, 
but because of his goals against England, etc., what he's, he did down at Wolves, etc., he's a high-profile name. And, you know, that's why the only way that, that Lee Griffiths can answer these these criticisms is doing what he does best, and that's by scoring goals on the park, Tom. That's what he's got to do. That's what Lee Griffiths has got to focus on. That's what James McPake has got to get into Lee Griffiths' head. Now, can James McPake do that? That's the big question. Can James McPake do what so many other managers have failed to do and keep Lee Griffiths on the straight and narrow, which is in the front line at Dens Park and banging in goals for Dundee? Because we need him right now. I still don't think, obviously, he's up to fitness yet. I think, unfortunately, he has got an ankle issue. So it may well be that we've got to sort of hang fire on that one for a few weeks. But, yeah, that's the most important thing for Lee Griffiths right now. Get himself back fit and then, you know putting Chris Boyd in his place by banging in goals in the Premier League because there's no doubt he's still got that in him, I think, but he has to show it for Dundee. Yeah. I think Ewan wants, I, I was going to say, and I think you want to come on here and I should just describe the the, the the scene here. You're sitting with your feet on the table, hands behind your head, <laughs> smoking a cigar with the smugness of a man who's covering a team that are going well. <laughs> oh, that'll, that might last a few weeks. Um, <laughs> What's that like? He yeah. said smugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no... I I I I agree with an awful lot of what Bears just said there. Um, I think looking at what Chris Boyd said, I didn't like what he'd, he'd written. I think he crossed the line. I think he went too far. Um, I think there's to some extent there's there's a feeling there's a bit of a pile on with, with with regards to Griffiths. Griffiths hasn't helped himself. We can't go into the the incident the other night. Um, but I think a lot of people know what what that was. But I think there's. I think it's almost like let's let's pick on Lee Griffiths. He hasn't scored for Dundee yet. He hasn't. He hasn't picked up yet. He's a high profile name, as as Bear rightly points out. But give the guy a chance. I mean, the guy, the guy has barely kicked a ball in football for the last eighteen months, and I know, I know, there's a whole load of other baggage that we cannot excuse, right? But in terms of the football player, give the guy a chance to get up to speed, because when he does, and and he will get up to speed. Um, he will score a lot of goals for Dundee and he'll do exactly what, what Bear's saying. He'll answer his critics by doing the right things, by putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, I believe that he's he's, he's one of he's our most natural goal scorer in Scottish football, I think. Um, when he's on his game, there's not a player that can put the ball in the back of the net better than Lee Griffiths. So. A natural goal scorer very like Chris Boyd was in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a harder worker player than Chris yeah, Boyd well, was, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know. The only wrong I mean, word if, there was think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, he was, he was, but I mean, and Chris Boyd, give, as Bear points out as well, he's right. He has a pundit. He's no longer involved in the game. He is going to have opinions, but did that opinion stray beyond beyond uh, just having an opinion on a player? Because would it, as Bear points out, would it be the same if it was Alfredo Morelos? I felt it. I felt it was just a little bit too personal, and it yeah. crossed the line. Yeah. And I felt I'm not saying it's because it's uh, he's talking about an, uh, a Celtic player and he's an ex Rangers player. I'm saying it because I think there has been a little bit of needle between the two of them in the past, and I think he allowed that to stray stray over in into his article. And I think Chris Boyd won't pull it back now. There's no way he'll pull it back now. He'll just say he was quite entitled to say it's a pun and see what he thinks. And and he's got strong opinions. We've heard all his strong opinions and things, but I think he went too far on this occasion. No, I think so too. It felt there was a nastiness about it that I didn't like. That's what he might think like that it. himself. You mean yeah? Like he, he George, you, you're the nicest man in the world. You're nice to everybody, <laughs> but I can't say I never wrote something and I thought oh, that went that went a wee bit further than it should. <laughs> Although. I, I, try, I always try to keep the personal out of it because I don't like anybody. <laughs> I think the Rangers Celtic thing was part of it, though, that, that Ewan's saying. Uh, obviously, with it, because he, he went through all the history when Lee Griffiths had, I guess, noised up the Rangers fans and all Some of the stuff he did, all our players might not have done, but I, it just felt a wee bit on the. He was an easy target after, after the stuff that happened. and before a Rangers game as well. Um, don't know. It just uh, didn't... Uh, Focal quite rightly pointed out that Chris Boyd also has his own mental health charity as well, which um, I don't think came into any consideration yeah, mental yeah, health problems that Lee Griffiths has had for a long time. But, it's a valid um, and very cerebral yeah. point, George. I know. Are you feeling okay? Oh, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I I absolutely agree with you in that when he gets himself fit, you could see he wasn't fit on Saturday. Maybe he played when he probably shouldn't have. Um, and there was the chance when he was free at the back post, and he, he really he messed it up and sclaffed his shot into the, into the keeper. A seventy-five percent, eight percent fit. Uh, Lee Griffiths probably sticks that away, um, and it is what Dundee are missing right now. They're also missing Charlie Adam, which we haven't really mentioned. That they haven't scored since Charlie Adam got injured. So I feel like those two, once they get up to speed, Dundee will be a completely different animal. Right, I'm I'm back in my comfort zone now. I'm thoroughly depressed after this <laughs> fifteen or twenty minutes speed about Dundee. So after this, we'll round up the other big burning issues in the game. Right, chaps, just before we came on air, I saw it. And, and when you get to my age, your short-term memory goes, is it Hearts and Motherwell or Hibs and Motherwell? I've actually written to the SBFL now and said, why are the old firm allowed to exclude away fans? Everyone else is going out their way to get away fans. Um, your thoughts on that? Power. That's all it is. Trying yeah. to exert a bit of power. Absolute disgrace. How did how does the league not act? The, the league really should act here. They really, really should take a strong line here. And I know that I know that Celtic Rangers will point out they've sold X amount of season tickets and they've got additional restrictions still in place with, with to some extent with COVID side of things and and everything like that. But th- these fans have been locked out of football matches for the best part of eighteen months, and then and then they're still locked out of going on away trips. It's it's it's. It's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And um, Celtic, Celtic the other night they played against Strafe Rovers, and um, I mean, I, I I don't have the crowd in front of me, but I, I could hazard a, a strong guess that there might have been enough space to allow some Strafe Rovers fans to go to their cup tie the other night. Um, so why why not let these fans in? I mean, it's just it is exactly as George says. It's a power trip from the old firm, and the league needs to be strong enough to stand up to them and say, look. No, we're in charge here. You're not in charge of Scottish football, and we're, there has to be a certain percentage of your ground as set aside or a certain amount set aside for away supporters to come along and enjoy football. Um, foot, it's a disgrace. But does it damage the league more than damages Rangers and Celtic? Because to be honest, all us provincial fans are used to them flexing their muscles in a way that yeah. we might not think's fair. And the league, it makes the league look weak. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. I mean, it, it, I think it shows it's it's the, you know, the the big two, the juggernauts of Scottish football doing what they want effectively, you know. But I've got to say, it damages the game. Ewan's right. On Saturday, United scored and there's not a cheap, the, the great thing is if you're a small band of supporters in a massive ground like that, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it adds to the, you know, the, the roar coming from the corner. The small band of supporters, maybe the camera panning over to seeing them, you know, getting the goal against Celtic or Rangers. I've got to say, you know, I, I follow Dundee away when I can, and it's a, it's a, it's an enjoyable experience. It's not always a, a victory or or points. It's not an enjoyable experience, sort of, sort of in terms of what you're watching. But going to most away grounds is an enjoyable experience. But I've got to say, going to Parkhead and going to Ibrox are probably the least enjoyable experience of all the Premier League grounds you, you visit. Uh, and I feel it's because, you know, you tend to be, there's there's the heavy-handedness of the stewards compared with what you get at other clubs. You know, and I, now obviously, when you go to Celtic and, and you, go to, you go to Rangers, there's a good chance that you're going to be on the wrong side of, of a doing, and that's happened quite a few times if you're a Dundee fan. You've been there, but in general, you know, the, the way you're treated at Ibrox and Parkhead isn't as good an experience as it is at other grounds. And now that they're effectively locking you out, you know, I just don't understand it. I mean, surely, like Eunice said, Scottish football has to act. They should not be allowed to keep away fans out of that stadium for, for whatever reason. George, do you think that there actually might be a surprising number of old firm fans that have sympathy for the other clubs because they both carry big travelling supports and a lot of these people appreciate what what they get when they go away. I mean, fans move, they get good seats. I mean, I mean Ibrox isn't the best seat geographically for away fans because you're stuck in the corner. At least you can see the pitch. Uh, 
from what I hear, it's always handy. Uh, you can see the pit. Yeah, but well, from, from what I hear from Parkhead, a lot of the, a lot of the seats in the ah. way section are behind a pillar. Yeah. It's restricted. Ah, it's it's restricted, restricted view. view. Yeah. And, and 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 it does occur, it does occur to me that a lot of their fans all think. In the end, you I understand as a, as a punter, if you're getting your ticket in your seat, that's what matters most, and there's there's no fallout. But do you, do you think a lot of them feel a wee bit awkward when they go and they get uh, they get a whole stand and stuff like that, and think well, we won't let them in? It's not. It's it's not cricket, really, is it? I'm not sure that would go through their the minds. To be honest, I think. Um, I was just trying to be human. I know, I know what you mean. It's not I think like I you. would if if I was in that yeah. position, but I think that's just what's always happened. So it's kind of, you know what I mean? That's that's just the way the way things are. Um, I think there might be a few that miss the chance to uh, rub the scoreline into the away fans. At Celtic Park and High Brox. That, well, that, especially when you were younger, that was always something. Exactly. So I, th- I think there'll be an element in that, and but there will be a lot that also miss the atmosphere that away fans bring because that's that's what fans back in football is all about. But the SPFL, it, the SPFL is supposed to represent all the clubs, but how? I don't know. Uh, so they should be doing something about it. Um, the fact that Celtic wouldn't even allow streaming up until this weekend, so fans couldn't even That's watch bizarre. it at home, it was ridiculous. I don't understand. I know they're selling stuff to their own season tickets, looking after their own season tickets, but don't don't you get the feeling that it's it's now it's, it's it's there's a bigger question out there that Celtic and Rangers are now trying to you know influence the bigger picture of Scottish football. They want a bigger share of the pie in every aspect. Oh, absolutely. Because like the media, everything, yeah. everything that's going on, you know, in television rights, they want to cut their own deals for everything. They basically oh, want right. to, they'll, they'll get to do what they want and the, other, the rest of the clubs will have to just go along with it. Absolutely. On on, on Sunday, on uh, Saturday, sorry, when Rangers were at uh, Dens, Rangers don't do any post-match stuff because of this uh, media companies have to pay 25000 for any access. So they just they don't even come up the steps. They just wave as they walk past um they even moved the camera so that cinch wasn't in the background of the uh you know the the we board the stand in front of all the sponsors stuff like that uh it just seems all very petty to me but it's it's a power trip for me it's them showing their dominance and we can do what we want the rest of you have to live with it it's, it's up to the spfl to start putting the foot down if they can which is a question in itself i would say I think, I think, in fairness to Celtic, they they do allow the media access. Um, obviously, it's not amazing access that they allow. They they allow one daily newspaper reporter from the whole pack and one Sunday newspaper reporter from the whole pack to go down to the to get exclusive access to the media zone and to to speak to their players. And they, and then they did allow on on Sunday they did allow the Dundee United contingent to go down, and I managed to to go down as part of the local Dundee United contingent to get access but um, so they're not quite as bad as Rangers in that regard but I totally agree with, with you about the, the power trip and the exertion of power um, it's it's like they want, they, they've they spotted an opportunity to, to take back complete control of the media rights for their games and, and that's what they want to do, they want to keep that stranglehold on it and Celtic by Celtic only just last weekend, at the very last minute as well, it was it was a, it was like a day before the, or or it was on Friday, so it was a couple of days before the game against the. Only then allowing the streaming to 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 be sent to the away supporters, it's just appalling. It really is appalling. After what we've all gone through over the last year and a half, after what football fans have gone through, how they've how they've missed the game so much, and they don't get that opportunity to go and watch their team, and it's just. I, I, I think it's utterly disgraceful. Right. Nice positive Kevin. way to end the things. Yeah. No, no. We're from, we're from, <laughs> I'll tell you when you're finished, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that sort of grabbed me a bit, and I'm all, I'm all for innovation and trying things. Um, Dundee are going to play Aberdeen at six o'clock on a Saturday in the middle oh, of next month. Oh, don't start this. Come on. Now, like I say, I'm all for innovation. Personally, I'll put this out there. Personally, as a fan, I would rather games started at half one, two o'clock on a Saturday, particularly away games, because you get back for your night out 
on a Saturday night. Is I like the fact that they're looking at things, but is six o'clock on a Saturday going to work? Well, it'll be interesting to see what Dundee get from that and what Aberdeen actually get from that. If they reveal how much, you know, I take that the game's been beamed live to the States or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what they get and, you know, just what they don't get. I mean, how many Aberdeen fans will travel down at that point and you know, and come and watch again. How many Dundee fans? Well, maybe totally how many, Yeah, yeah. How many Dundee fans can actually, you know, go at that time at night? Um, I do remember them, Dundee being involved in a game. It was a graveyard shift from Sky TV many years ago when Scottish football was on on a Sunday night at six o'clock. Six o'clock. Or not. Yeah, that was. I mean, that that was ten times worse. Um, from my own perspective, uh, my big concern is I'll probably still be in. You know you know, go to the pub at one o'clock in the afternoon. So <laughs> will I actually see the game at six o'clock at night for the kickoff? That, and that could be that could be a worry for a lot of supporters. Well, you, you said earlier you were sitting in the Bobby Cox stand. You're just lying in it. That could be, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's a strange. But you know what? I think you've got to try these things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and see what the, the benefits are. And if, if a benefit's Dundee and, and financially, then, you know, why not? Why not? Um, but you do have to take into account that your own supporters, but I seem to be losing That's the right. fact yeah. that, you know, we can treat you can treat your own band as supporters, you know, pretty poorly while trying to look at other areas where you can increase them. Don't lose sight of the fact that your season ticket holders and these guys, these people who have supported yeah. you for the last 20, 30 years, you you don't want to lose them by doing something silly. So yeah, it's a balancing act on all, all fronts, Tom. And you and as someone who'll probably be sitting at three o'clock that afternoon thinking, I'll be finished in a couple of hours or so. <laughs> what would you like to say to George? <laughs> yeah, I'm. 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 I like the twelve o'clock kickoffs. To be honest, because yeah. your, your work's done even sooner than that. But I, to be honest, I'm. I'm very much a Dick Campbell fan here, as as you all know. Maybe the listeners don't know that. But I'm Saturday. You and I don't know how to work the bleeper, so don't be quoting them. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can put the. We can put the. We can take the explicit content box on this one. Um, no, but I'm Saturday's fit buddy. Three p.m. Saturday's fit buddy for me is. As the as the as the ultimate, that's that's when football should be played. But I do understand from a commercial marketing perspective why Dundee and Aberdeen are trying this. And and as Bear points, it'll be interesting to see how much money they get back from this, whether it works or not. I know in a in a smaller scale, uh, but it is a bit innovative thinking. Edinburgh City this season have moved all their games, home games, to Friday night to try and entice supporters from Hibernian and Hearts to come along and watch their games and. That's quite clever thinking from that perspective, you know. Yeah. It's maybe not getting the TV money like the Dundee and Aberdeen are looking for, but it's potentially getting people through the gates that wouldn't ordinarily be able to come and watch your game. But yeah, um, yeah, I'd much rather watch the game at either 3 o'clock or 12 o'clock, so I'm glad it's not Dundee United Ross County at 6 o'clock. And George, are you prepared for WhatsApp, other, other social medias available, pictures of my pint at 6 o'clock on the 16th of October? <laughs> It's all right. I'll be draped in my uh, my stars and stripes at that point. Anyway, I'll be be delighted. But uh, I'm I'm easy on it. I, I, I don't know. I'm all for trying. I'm, new I things. must admit, the, the selfish fan in me says, "I think it's worth trying." I just wish it was somewhere else. It was happening. <laughs> it could be could, worse. I mean, uh, the worst time for a kickoff at Dens have been in a long time was the. Scottish Cup one, what was it, two years ago with Mullerwell at 7.45 on a Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Nobody turned up. I think it was less than 2,000 turned up. But yeah, that was just, that was poor plan and it was on the BBC, I think. Um, I'm with Bear here, just to round off the graveyard shift, six o'clock on a Sunday when these games are on Sky. And once, I must have been on holiday and I, I, I had a game of golf, came back from the golf, stopped at Tesco to get my tea. St. Johnson were playing somebody and the next Saturday, Dundee were playing St. Johnson. Walked at the Tesco and here's Ivano. And I said, should you, <laughs> should you not be at McDermott Park? And he just looks, he looks stunned. He went, no, it's six o'clock on a Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough, how are you doing anyway? Anyway, chaps, that was that was excellent. We must <laughs> we must try a quartet. That's a better way of putting it, Tom. Yeah, that's right. I should have thought yes. I should have thought of that yeah. fifty odd minutes ago, shouldn't I? But yeah. thinking was never my strong point. Well, thanks for thanks for that today. That was brilliant, guys. And hopefully we'll be speaking about two wins next week. 
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tandice or go to the Tilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>